This morning, our scripture is taken from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. In the Red Pew Bible, it's page number 811. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. couple of reminders before we begin the lesson this morning. We're going to this evening, as we talked about last week, we're going to begin Kids Sing. And that is at the first 10 minutes or so of our worship service this evening, all the young people that are in the auditorium, this does not apply to those who are involved with Bible Hour. Let me clarify that because there have been questions about that. I, I said it last week. Did you not listen? Anyway. <laughs> does not apply to those involved with Bible Hour, but everybody else, all young people, ages 12th grade and down, right here, this little section, you guys are already in the perfect place. And we're going to be singing some songs that are scriptural, that are um, helpful for our memory work, and this is for everybody, okay? Let me emphasize that too. Listen, adults, this is not time for us to have 10 more minutes of fellowship in the foyer, okay? Adults, we want you in here so that as we, as we uh, sing these songs, we're singing the books of the Bible, we're singing about uh, the apostles, we're singing about uh, some, some scriptures and things like that. And so this is for the whole congregation. It's a way to learn God's word better and to do it together as a congregation. So Jordan's going to begin that this evening, five o'clock. And if you're a young person, young, uh, then, then, then be right down here and we'll be doing that this evening. Uh, secondly, just take a moment, do me a favor, just take a moment and kind of in your mind's eye, think about someone that you know needs to be here, but just isn't. And I suspect all of us know somebody like that. Think of somebody that you know that, that really should be attending services and they just aren't. And in the next week, this week coming up, make it a point to reach out to them and to tell them, we love you, we miss you. We hope to see you back. This is a great time of the year to do just that because people are thinking about resolutions, they're thinking about the new year, and what better time to re-engage with the people of God than right now. So this week, if you don't mind, just take some time to talk to someone that you know should and needs to be here, and they're just not. All right, one last thing. We're beginning a sermon series on Sunday mornings starting today. The series is entitled, What Jesus Said About. And the topics are going to be money, obviously, things like the kingdom, marriage. What did Jesus say about forgiveness? What did he say about doing good? What did Jesus say about his own death? Those are some lessons that are upcoming on Sunday mornings. It's really important because we claim to follow Jesus to think about what he said about all these things. 
With all that in mind, open your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. This morning, I want us to spend our time thinking about what our Savior said about money and things. And as a preacher, let me tell you, this is not an easy sermon to preach for a number of reasons. But one is because Jesus, in fact, said so much about money. Did you realize that Jesus talked about money more than he talked about heaven? Did you realize that Jesus said more about money than he ever said about hell? Do you realize that out of more or less 39 parables, depending on how you count them, 11 of them are almost exclusively about how we handle our money. Jesus talked about money all the time. And if I could distill what he had to say about money down to just one word, I would say warning. When Jesus talked about money and things and stuff and possessions, he warned us about those things almost exclusively. Not that possessions in and of themselves or money in and of itself is bad or wrong, but listen to the Savior's words because they are words of warning. And what the warning has to do with, brothers and sisters and friends, is this. Money can capture your heart. And it can do it just so easily and so subtly that you become dominated, you become enslaved to a love of things and a love of money, and you may not even realize it about yourself. And if you look at your life and you say, well, that's never been me, you're probably lying to yourself. When Jesus talked about money, he said, beware, take heed concerning covetousness. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Luke 12 and verse 15. Your life has nothing to do with what you own. And to love the things and to love the stuff and to love the money is to get it all wrong. Jesus says in Mark 4, 19, that the good soil did well for a while, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Think about that expression. Money, it's deceitful. It's not evil in and of itself, but it's deceitful. And the promises that it seems to make, they will lead us astray. And he goes on to say there in Mark 4, 19, the deceitfulness of riches can choke God's word and cause us to become unfruitful. When we allow our hearts and our minds and our lives to be captured by a love of money, a love of things, we will become, Jesus says, unfruitful soil. When Jesus talked about money, he put it in this perspective. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? He talked about durability. The money and the stuff that we work so hard to have and to own and to possess, Jesus says, all that stuff is going to burn up one day. Why are you putting so much trust and hope and work into that and ignoring your eternal soul that you're going to have forever? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? Mark 8, 37. I'm telling you, Jesus talked about money a lot and he said over and over and over, warning, 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 this is something that is dangerous to you, to your soul, to your eternity. It's not wrong to be wealthy, but it's dangerous. In fact, listen to this. 
It is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Brethren, camels cannot go through a needle's eye. It does not happen. He's saying when someone loves money, when someone loves things, when that's what we're all about and that's where our treasure is, we cannot have the kingdom. That's what he's saying. And there are all these warnings and these are familiar passages to many of us, but when was the last time you sat and thought about what Jesus says and asked, Master, is it I? Am I the one you're talking about here? Have I gotten wrapped up and caught up in treasuring things? You know what Jesus says about money and things? He says, every one of us is a treasure hunter. You have no choice in that. You and everybody else around you and all the people out there in the world, all of us are hunting a treasure of some kind. And your treasure is basically this. Your treasure is whatever you say in your heart of hearts. If I have that, I'll have everything. If I can just have that, money, wealth, possessions, esteem, status, reputation, whatever it is, if I could have that, someone to love me, if I could just have that, then I'd have everything. I would be content, I would be complete. Whatever you treasure, that's what you're saying about it. Here's a discipleship principle that's gonna dominate our lesson this morning. When it comes to what we treasure, Jesus says, you're a treasure hunter, and if you're going to be my disciple, it's as simple as this. Watch carefully. Our treasure ought to be Jesus. Your life should look like Jesus is your treasure. If I could sum up everything Jesus said about money and things and possessions, that's the statement I would make. What do you want me to do, Lord? What is it that you would have me to do concerning my finances and concerning my possessions? Jesus would say to you and to me and to everybody else, he'd say, your life needs to look like I'm the treasure you're seeking. Well, however that looks in your life, however that looks in in your experience, however that looks with you and your family, that's what your life should look like. Your life should look like Jesus is your treasure. I'm not after money. I'm not after things. Those things are just secondary. Jesus is my treasure. He's the one that I'm trying to advertise. He's the one that I'm trying to lift up in my life. He's the one that I want people to see. I don't want them to see what I wear and what I drive and how I dress. I don't want them to see those things. I want them to see him. He's my treasure. He's the one that I want people to see. Christ lives in me, Galatians 2 verse 20. For to me to live is Christ. Philippians 1.21, we're supposed to live our lives and show by our lives and by our financial decisions that Jesus is who we treasure, that he's the one that we value. He's the one that we're all about. I want us to look this morning at four passages where Jesus talks about this very principle. Four very different passages in some ways, but all of them bring us back to this one central teaching, your life should look like Jesus is your treasure. I'm going to put the passages on the board up here for you this morning, but you can turn your Bibles if you like. First stop this morning is where I had you turn already, Matthew 6 and verse 24. Curtis read just a moment ago, verses 19 through 21. And by the way, did you hear what he said in verse 21? 
Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Do you hear that? Whatever it is that I look at in my life and I say, if I have that, I'll have everything. If I have that, I'll have what I need. That's where your heart is, Jesus says. There's an interaction between things and stuff in our hearts and it's constantly happening. And we've got to consider, am I being loyal to the Lord in my financial decisions? But I want us to look at verse 24 in this same context. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Here's what the Lord tells us. What did Jesus say about money? He said this, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Three sentences on the screen. I want you to look at the first and last sentence. The first sentence says, no one can serve two masters. Yeah, but Jesus, you don't really mean me, do you? You don't really mean about my life. No one can, he says. Look at the last sentence. You cannot serve God and money. The New King James, King James have God and mammon. Mammon's kind of a transliteration out of the original language, and it just kind of sounds good. It kind of rolls off the tongue, mammon. But mammon just means, the word itself means money. Stuff, possessions. And Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters. And he says, you cannot serve both God and money. Twice in one expression, one verse, he tells you it's impossible to do. You can't do it. Other passages in the New Testament tell you this. Whoever makes himself a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. James chapter four, verse four. Other passages in the New Testament tell us, do not love the world. Do not love the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You cannot serve God in money. First John two, verse 15. But Jesus, Surely that's true for most people, but that's not true for me. I mean, I could want stuff and I could want to be rich, can't I? You can't. The Bible is saying that we must view possessions, we must view property, we must view money in a God-honoring way so that our lives end up looking as if Jesus is the one we're all about. He's our treasure. Think about it. Maybe there's something in your life that you've really wanted and you've worked really hard to get it. And once you have it, have you ever noticed how the things we own end up oftentimes owning us? Have you ever noticed that? The things we wanted so badly and really needed, all of a sudden they need upkeep and they need maintenance and they need security and they need to be cleaned and polished. They need to be, uh, they need to be renovated. They need to be updated. All those things. It's like you have to constantly work to keep these things delivering on the promise that they had for you at the first time. And what you end up doing is serving stuff, serving money. Jesus says you can't serve God and serve money at the same time. You just can't. It's not possible. I know a lot of Christians in the time I've been preaching God's word who have really wanted, they've really wanted to do some things in the Lord's service. 
but they couldn't. And you know why? Because of financial decisions that they had made in their past that continued into their present. And when it came down to it, there was a ministry, there was an opportunity, there was something that they really were zealous and anxious and eager to be a part of, and they just could not do it because they couldn't make the numbers work. They couldn't do it financially. Jesus says, be careful, warning, your life should look like you have left all to follow me because no one can serve two masters. Second passage to think about this morning. Mark 10, verses 21 and 22. There was a young man who was wealthy. He had his youth. He was a ruler, the Bible tells us. He had power, a lot going for him. And he came to Jesus on one occasion and he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus had a conversation with this young man who was wealthy about ethics, about morality, about God's commandments. He said, you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not steal, those kinds of things. The young man said, all these things I have kept from my youth. Morally, he was upright. He's the kind of person you want living next door to you. He's the kind of person that you want to marry your daughter. That's the kind of man that you're looking for. And then Jesus does this. In verse 21 of Mark chapter 10, Jesus looks at him and the Bible tells us he loved him. And Jesus can look into your heart just as quickly as he can look into this man's. And Jesus said, one thing you lack. Listen to what the Lord told him. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and come follow me. And then look at verse 22, the reaction. Disheartened by the saying, the young man went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. When people encounter Jesus, two things happen. In the first place, they find out that what Jesus demands is far more than what they ever imagined. They find out that what he's asking, what he's demanding, what he's commanding us to do, it's far more than just what we assume it is. But the second thing they find out when they come to Jesus is that what Jesus offers is so much greater than anything you could have ever conceived. And that's exactly what happens to this rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus and like so many people in the world, he thinks he can have it all. He thinks he can serve God and money. And so salvation and eternal life those are a trophy to be gotten. And he's a moral man. He loves the Lord, it seems. But those are a trophy to be gotten. This is just one more thing I need to add to my life so that I can continue living the way I'm living. And Jesus says, no, that's not going to work. I want you to notice as you look at that passage on the screen, I want you to notice that Jesus tells this young man how to reframe his heart. You know, I said at the beginning of the lesson, your life should look like Jesus is your treasure. And you say, well, Brother John, how do you do that? Practically, what does that look like? Rich young ruler's statement here can tell you. Go sell all that you have and do what? Just sell it all, give it all to good. What, what, what are you supposed to do with all you have? He says, go sell all that you have and give to the poor. You see that? And you will have treasure in heaven. Did you know that there's a way to be rich? 
according to the Bible, as a Christian. And the way to be rich is this. We are to be rich in good works. That's what it means. To be rich in good works. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19, the Bible tells those Christians who are rich in this world's goods to be generous, to be ready to give, to be willing to share, storing up for themselves eternal life. If you want to be wealthy in God's eyes, be generous. And not just, I've got this left over and I can spare this and I won't even miss it kind of generous. I'm talking about sacrificially generous. Sacrificially generous. Jesus says you want to get your head on straight, you want to get your heart in the right place. And by the way, so much potential with the rich young ruler, I'm so glad Jesus wasn't covetous. Because Jesus could have looked at this young man and this guy could maybe bankroll Jesus' entire ministry. For the rest of his time, this man single-handedly has enough money to be able to pay for everything that Jesus needs. Did you know that Jesus took contributions from people? Read Luke chapter 8 verses 1 through 3 sometime for homework. There were ladies that contributed and Judas is the one that had the money purse, remember? In John chapter 12, and sometimes they would take money out of that treasury and they would give it to the poor. Jesus displayed these very values, but he didn't look at this young man and say, well, he's got a lot of money and I better be careful how I answer him because I want him to be one of my disciples. Jesus told him, the thing that you need is to get the throne right in your heart. Get money and things and possessions off the throne and put God on the throne. Now, most of us, we read this passage and we've been doing it for years and we say, well, you know, there are other New Testament Christians that we read of that had money and things and God never told them to give it all away. True, true statement. And therefore we go, I sure am glad I'm not the rich young ruler. Yay me, I, I'm, not, I'm not in this man's position. Thought experiment. And I'm as serious as I can be. Every one of us ought to, in the quiet devotional times of our lives, ask ourselves and ask, our, ask the Lord this question, Lord, if you demanded that of me, would I do it? If God came to you and said directly, I want you to sell everything, sell your house, sell your car, sell all of it, and I want you to give it to the poor because you're going to have treasure in heaven. That's where our treasure is. Come follow me. Would you do it? And if you're sitting there thinking, I just can't conceive of doing something like that. That just seems reckless. That just seems foolish. There's something very serious that we need to examine about our hearts. By the way, Jesus wasn't trying to impoverish this man. He wasn't making him poor. He was making him richer than he'd ever been in ways that he had never conceived. Passage number three, Luke 12, verses 19 through 21 Someone interrupted Jesus while he was teaching about another subject and said, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Can I just say, as a side note, this will not add anything to the cost of the sermon. I've seen some pretty ugly things over the years happen at funerals regarding families and regarding estates. I want to tell you something. When those things happen, as Christians, listen to me, Christians, we better make sure that the way we respond and the way that we handle those kinds of situations displays that our treasure is Christ. 
He's the one that we're all about. He's the one that we want people to see. Because there are a lot of people that get really ugly when a loved one dies. And that's what happens to Jesus on this occasion. This man comes and my brother's not sharing the inheritance. And Jesus is the one that begins this parable about a man who has a lot of wealth. He's got crops and they are abundant crops. And he looks around and he says, I don't have enough room to store my crops. You know what I need to do? I need to build some barns so that I have room to store all the stuff I've got. I'm gonna to have to move up. I'm gonna to have to move to a bigger house where I've got more closet space, where I've got more room to store my stuff. That's what this man says. And I will say at the end of this, verse 19, to my soul, he's talking to himself, this man. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Let's stop right there. There is something about having possessions and Jesus indicates it here. We tend to want possessions for two reasons. We want possessions for status and we want possessions for security and comfort. We tend to want possessions for status and we tend to want them for security and comfort. And when we finally get wealth, if we do, one of the temptations that we have is to build symbols, or better said, to buy symbols. I want you to think about it. There is an entire industry out there, whether you're talking about cars, whether you're talking about watches, whether you're talking about what neighborhood you live in, there's an entire industry out there that says to you, almost literally these words, you've earned it. If you've earned it, you ought to have this. It's a symbol of being wealthy. It's a symbol that you have stuff. And the man, he's finally got stuff. And so he's building all these barns. And as he looks out across his pasture and he sees all the barns, those barns are symbols to him. Look, I've got wealth. I've got security. That's what he wanted. It wasn't about status for him. It was about security. But it could be easily just the other. Look, I've got what I've wanted. I've got what I've been longing for and I can now eat, drink, and be merry. When we buy things, when we think about what we're trying to earn money for and what purchases we're trying to make, I want us to ask this question. Does this somehow show that Jesus is my treasure? That he's who I'm really all about? And is this gonna show my neighbors and my friends and my family and my brethren? Is this gonna show everybody that Jesus is what I'm all about? That he's the one I'm trying to serve because that's what Jesus teaches us to do concerning money. Again, to be wealthy in and of itself is not wrong, but to want to be wealthy, to have a love of money and to let that dominate our decisions and to let that be the only thing we think about, we need to be extremely careful. Look at what happens to this rich man who has all these barns. Verse 20, God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And notice the logic, then whose will these things be that you've prepared? And then Jesus finishes with this statement in verse 21. He says, so is the one who lays up treasure. There's that word again. When Jesus talked about money, he used the word treasure. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. We need to think about 
how we make decisions financially. When I read the Bible and when I read the words of Jesus, here's what I get the impression that the Lord wants from us. The Lord wants from us to see the money and the possessions that he gives us, listen, as a stewardship. They are a stewardship to be used in the service of God and in the service and compassion toward others. They are to be seen as a stewardship. We should not hold on to our things and our possessions too tightly. And we certainly should not look at our things and our possessions and say, these are my hope, these are my security, these provide me status, these get me a door and a a seat at the table, a door of opportunity with some people. These possessions are what gets me all those things. No, we're not supposed to look at it that way. We're supposed to look at the possessions that God entrusts to us and ask the question, God, you've entrusted me with this stewardship, what would you have me to do? And it's going to look radically different from what the people around you do with their possessions. Is Jesus your treasure? Does he really mean, have you listened to the songs you've been singing this morning? Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. Have you, I want you more than gold or silver, only you can satisfy. Have you listened to what you've been singing? Sometimes we sing better than we actually live. Jesus says, the rich man, his soul is required and all of a sudden he's impoverished because you can't take it with you. Number four this morning, Matthew 13 verses 44 and 45. What did Jesus say about money, about possessions? In Matthew 13, 44 and 45, there are two parables and two verses. Here they are. Verse 44 The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Another parable, verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Notice in both parables, the men rejoiced over the treasure that they had found. And Jesus is talking about the kingdom. There are things about the kingdom that you cannot find and you cannot purchase anywhere. There are things about the kingdom. You can find salvation and forgiveness and grace and joy in every circumstance, whether you're rich or poor. You can find all those things. You can find a proper view of things and stuff. All that you can find in the kingdom. But you've got to appreciate what you're seeing. You've got to understand that what you're looking at is valuable. It's precious. These men understood that. The kingdom is precious. And so they joyfully went and sold everything so that they could have that one precious possession that was so unique that it was worth selling everything for. What Jesus is saying to you and me is, he's saying that money and things in our hearts, there's a constant interaction that's going on. And constantly, constantly. We're having to fight the temptation. We're having to fight the desire to have more and to accumulate more and to want more. We're having to fight that because we want to live as if Jesus is the one we're really all about. You have to fight that battle. And fighting that battle involves two things. 
Number one, it involves the fight against unbelief. Unbelief says, God, I don't believe that your kingdom and your blessings are really as great as you say they are. I got to fight against that. If I'm going to have a right view of money and things, I've got to fight against that. God, I really don't believe your kingdom, your church, your, your people. I don't believe any of that is as good and as worthy and as worthwhile and as valuable as you say it is. You got to fight that battle every day. The other battle is this, number two. I've got to fight the battle that says, God, I believe whatever comes, you're going to provide what I need. I have faith in what you have promised. And you know what Jesus says about this? Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and the material things that you need, specifically what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, all these things will be added to you. And as a Christian, as a disciple, if I'm going to live in a way that it looks like Jesus is my treasure, I'm going to have to fight those two battles every single day I live. I believe God's kingdom is a treasure worth selling everything for. And I believe that God's going to provide exactly what I need. Not everything I want, but who in this world really does get everything they want? And even if they get everything they want, listen to me here, even if you had everything financially that you thought you need right now, human nature, think about yourself. Are you going to be content for the rest of your life? Are you going to live to the end of your days and say, I don't need anything else? Is that how you're going to live your life? Do you know anybody that lives that way? Jesus says, you live your life so that people around you can see that you're all about me, that I'm your treasure, that I'm the one you value and I'm the one you look for and I'm the one that you trust. You live your life that way and you'll have a proper view of things. What Jesus said about money is far more extensive than even what I've talked about this morning. But there is a lot that all of us need to go back into our own hearts and think about. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a disciple of Jesus. You've not yet obeyed the gospel. Believe that Jesus Christ is God's son. Confess his name with a mouth. Confession is made unto salvation. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10. Repent of your sins, and that involves even things like covetousness and materialism. Repent and be baptized. When someone is baptized in water, they become a Christian. They're brought into the church that belongs to Jesus Christ, his kingdom. If you're ready to make that commitment this morning, or if we can help you in any way, make your way down the aisle while together we stand and while we sing.